Hello and welcome to The Story, a podcast where great stories are shared. Do you have a love for writing or listening to stories? Do you aspire to be a best-selling author? Or have you put your heart and soul into creating a story that you really wanted to have published only to have it rejected? Well, I completely understand you. I have self-published my own novel and want to share it with you all. I believe that good stories need to be shared and that every writer who has created a good story should be allowed the opportunity to share it with the world. Hence this podcast. If you want to listen to a good story or if you want your story shared, you have come to the right place. You're with Julie, a self-published author of Rise of the Assault, The Beginning, which you can check out on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and I will be your host. Hello, everybody. How have you all been? We're up to episode 10. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how quick time has gone. It's been 10 weeks since I started this podcast, The Story, and we only have five more episodes to go before the book is finished. However, I'm going to be doing an episode before I start the readings of the second book in season two of The Story. As you may know, there are a few different themes throughout the book. And I thought it might be a good idea to have a discussion on these topics, which will be in the bonus episode. So I'm looking forward to that. Before we continue, I want to say thank you. Thank you for all your support so far. I know how valuable time is, and I appreciate that you have spent your time listening to the podcast. It means a lot, so thank you. Also, please share this podcast with a friend or someone you may know that would love to listen to a good story. And once again, don't be afraid to reach out. I would love to hear from you. And you're not alone, even if it is just sharing some ideas. I'd be happy to listen and support you. So please DM me on Instagram, or come and join the Facebook group, or send me an email to the story podcast. That's all in one word, at outlook.com. In Chapter 9, we saw changes taking place. Merrick, along with his family, are forced to seek advice from the ancient seer after the visit from the Asaur, who was seeking his whereabouts. Flamer, Merrick's brother, is ordered by his father to stay behind, something that he becomes furious about. This highlights his growing animosity towards his brother. Two new characters were introduced, the ancient seer and Ludwig. The ancient seer is the oldest and wisest of all seers, and Ludwig is his trusted servant who was disabled at birth. The seer takes the group on a mind travel session to show them their future of the Asaur if they are not defeated. He also shows them the present. In this scene, a former friend of Eleanor's and Merrick has been captured and is being tortured. Eleanor is terrified as she quickly learns the reality of the assault. Her terror turns to anger, and she confronts Merrick about why they did not do more to save the people they loved and left behind. And the ancient seer realises the Asaur are growing in their power to mind travel. Oh my God, the book is becoming so suspenseful, and I can't wait to continue. 
So get comfortable and enjoy. The night had settled comfortable in its presence as it cloaked the world in a dark embrace. Merrick found it hard to sleep. He tossed and turned, his thoughts a jumble of ideas, fears and doubt. Eleanor felt his constant movements and sat up, waiting for him to notice her. Merrick sat up next to her. What is it? he asked. She let out a sigh. Oh, Merrick, you have not slept. I need to be asking you, what is it? Before he could answer, she quickly continued. You knew how bad this could be. You knew you have dealt with this. You have dealt with this. This evil before. It should be me that is tossing and turning. I'm the one who didn't know and left my family and friends to God knows what. Her tone had changed with a hint of anger, accusation and hurt. Merrick peered through the gloom, but it was hard to read her in the dark. Neither spoke, waiting for the other to speak, and the silence became deafening. Eleanor, don't, she retorted as she stood up from the bed, her anger in full swing. Merrick, shame on you. You knew and you let it happen. They were my friends, Merrick. I loved them. Her voice faltered before breaking into sobs. I... Merrick stood up from the bed, now standing as well. Hesitantly, he walked to her side of the bed, standing in front of her. I had to do what I did. Please understand. He begged her as he took a step closer. She said nothing as she wiped her tear-stained face before folding her arms, her anger still simmering. Merrick grabbed her hand, gently pulling her towards him before encircling his arms around her. She leaned back into him, placing her head against his shoulder as he continued to hold her, breathing in her perfume, a mixture of lavender and jasmine. He couldn't believe how much he loved her, and his heart ached. Eleanor leaned into his embrace, despite her anger. She knew it was out of his control. He had chosen his family over anything else, and she had to respect him, if not love him for that. What are we going to do? She whispered, her heart starting to beat a little faster. The images of what she had seen were prevalent, and she had to work hard not to let them rise to the surface. Merrick felt her stiffen slightly within him, within his embrace. He turned her to face him. She looked into his dark and stormy eyes before swallowing. Merrick had always been a force to reckon with. We'll work something out, he said consolingly. She nodded, unable to speak. She felt her heart beat a little faster as Merrick's face came closer, his lips brushed against hers before he kissed her fully. She felt his mouth crush against hers and did not resist, instead welcoming his growing desire. Merrick moved his body closer to Eleanor's. He could feel her warmth and was suddenly overcome with desire. He started to pull at her clothes, fumbling with the buttons of her nightgown as she helped him take the garment off. Merrick, Eleanor moaned, feeling her own longing grow. They forgot the world as it was for the present moment, instead giving in to their yearning of wanting to unite and be as one. Merrick laid her gently down on the furs that covered the bed, gazing at the woman he loved. He didn't want the moment to stop. He closed his eyes for a brief moment before he once again crushed her mouth with his. Eleanor felt Merrick inside her, 
and she rose to meet his thrusts, losing herself in the pleasure of lovemaking. Merrick paused to kiss and nibble at her neck, making Eleanor giggle. She pulled away from him, teasingly, before he reached for her again. They once again became entwined, before Eleanor felt her crescendo of pleasure match his as they rode the wave of ecstasy before coming to a shuddering climax. They lay together in a loose embrace before Merrick sat up, running his hands through his hair that hung loose. Merrick? He looked down at Eleanor, who lay naked under the furs, her eyes a stunning green as she searched his face. He waited for her to continue, bracing himself to what she would ask or say next. Merrick, you have to promise me that you never would have let them be taken by such an abolition, that it was only by necessity. She shuddered as she thought of the woman tied to the pole and Ashton, her dear sweet friend, as he had been dragged from the cart. Suddenly overcome with emotion, tears began to well and roll down her face. Sobs began to rack her body. Merrick pulled his wife closer. No, you have my word said gruffly, trying to console her. Eleanor leaned into her husband, her tears like a flood that had been dammed and now had been had broken free. Merrick held his wife until she cried out her grief upon learning the fate of their village. He'd forgotten how sensitive and gentle she was. After she felt she had no more pain to shed, she pulled away, wiping her face again with her hands. I'm sorry, Merrick. I never realised the extent of... Merrick held a finger to her lips before he kissed her again. Please don't say any more. I'm tired of it and it's only just begun. I just want to forget about it tonight, Eleanor, he said. Eleanor nodded. She loved him more than she had ever thought and it suddenly dawned on her that the very fabric of human civilization rested on him and it was an enormous task to be given. She grabbed the blanket that lay at the end of the bed pulling it tightly around her. She closed her eyes. He was right. They should forget about it, just for tonight, to enjoy the time spent together. Eleanor moved closer to Merrick, feeling his warmth against the cool night air. And she was thankful. Thankful that he was there, that he was her husband. His very presence has strengthened itself. She smiled, grateful to the gods and what they had provided her. Merrick kissed the top of her head. Get some sleep, Maury. He used his pet name for her, and she felt at peace. Everything would be okay. Somehow it would. It would have to be. Eleanor felt her eyes grow heavy, exhaustion taking over and dragging her to the brink of sleep as her body began to relax. It had been an eventful day. It was not long before Merrick heard a soft snore, and knew she was at peace at last. He extracted himself from their embrace, sitting up trying to remember where he had thrown his tunic and leggings. He swung his legs out of the bed, searching his mind to where he would have put his clothes. He felt like he could do with a cup of wine or a strong tea to soothe his nerves. He knew he'd brought some of his own tea with him. It was his favourite. Frowning, he remembered that he'd left it in his saddlebag, forgetting to take it out when they had arrived at the home of the seer. He shrugged on his fur coat and padded barefoot out of the room, making his way through the stone home, stumbling through the gloomy dark, 
relying on memory to guide him to the front door. He fumbled with the doorknob before he was able to make it, make it out onto the porch, pulling on his leather boots that he had placed there earlier that day. He knew Ulrich would have placed his saddle, along with his saddlebag in the tack room to be oiled. The moon was almost full, helping him find his way to the stables, treading quietly so as not to wake anyone. The tack room was at the end of the stables, a small room that held a number of saddles, bridles and harnesses. He opened the door as the horses wicked softly, upon hearing his voice as he alerted them to his presence. Merrick quickly made his way to the tack room and easily found his saddlebag before searching inside it for the tea. He pulled it out, instantly relieved at finding it, and the thought of having a brew. It would not be quite as good as a cup of wine, but it would definitely do. He smiled to himself at the thought. He placed the tea in his pocket and left the stables, making his way back to the stone home. Suddenly, he caught sight of a figure standing off to the side. Merrick ducked down, hoping he had not been seen. Figure remained motionless, as if waiting for something or someone. Merrick waited too. Time ticked slowly, seconds turning into minutes, both the stranger and Merrick waiting. Merrick? Merrick instantly recognised the familiar voice. It was Sabin! Merrick felt his heart give a jump. He was so relieved it was his friend. Aye, it is you, me friend, because I, I am a feeling a little well. A little scared if you really want to know the truth. Sabin's soft chuckle followed. He always knew how to laugh at himself. And what are you doing up at this late hour? Merrick let out a snicker himself, as he replied, standing up and coming out of the shadows. Both men gave a quick embrace before Merrick motioned for his friend to follow him to the front of the house. The seer had asked Anja and Ada to join him in his private chambers after the after everyone else had gone to bed except for Merrick, Eleanor, Enja and Eigenbrook. The rest of the family had unrolled their furs and made themselves comfortable in the main room of the house. There were so many of them and the seer did not have enough rooms for all to enjoy the luxury of privacy. For the first time in his life he felt a new feeling. Fear. It unsettled him as he tried to come to terms with it a feeling that he had trouble shaking it was like a cloak that draped over him and it proved difficult to shrug off the evil in which they had encountered had been able to sense his own mind turning its attention and detecting a scent that was foreign its reaction had been lightning quick and had taken the seer by surprise he himself had been slow to retaliate getting them away from the dangerous path they had tread had proved somewhat difficult Eleanor was a deeply sensitive woman with a gentle and kind soul. She could easily feel and sense the needs and pain of others. It, en others. it encompassed her being, and he had to drag her away, urging her with all the will of his mind. He sipped his tea while these thoughts tumbled through his mind. Andrew and Ada would join him soon, and he welcomed their presence. It would be good to be able to share some of what he was feeling with others, that that was so much like him. Anja had come to his aid as he had tried to reach Eleanor and warn her to leave. It had been so difficult to reach, it was almost impossible. The entity that had caught wind of them had been able to look briefly into his own mind 
before the seer was able to hide. Suddenly, he realized that was the very thing that had frightened him. Never had he experienced another being able to detect his mind, and he shuddered as he thought about the consequences. If that thing had been able to reach in further and grasp the secrets within him, he shook his head, letting out a low whistle. No, that was something that could never happen. It would mean an end to all. The seer was not just old, but ancient. He had the memories, the teachings of a lifelong psychic, a wisdom most would never know. That in itself was a labyrinth of complexities, a bank of resources, something he had to protect. Benjamin and Ada came in with a jug of the drink they had had earlier in the evening. The seer needed them to travel with him, to find out about, more about their adversary, who had fast become their greatest threat. Usually the seer would have warned at having too much of the mind feeling wine, but these were fast becoming uncharted ter territories, and he was keen to find out more, and the drink would help. Ada carried a basket full of bread, cheese and cold meat to share. It would be good to have a light meal to stop the wine from making them sick. The seer nodded his gratitude at seeing the food. He was thankful they both had the insight to bring it. They settled themselves on the cushions before sharing the basket they brought. You're worried, Anja said, choosing her words carefully. She had a deep respect for the ancient man. He had taught her so much. The seer chewed his food, thinking on how to respond. He swallowed and cleared his throat. I've felt something. I never had or thought I would ever feel. It's called fear, Ada blurted. Sorry, she quickly added, before her grandmother could scold her. Ah, Ada, you are more in tune than I once believed. But you must curb your enthusiasm. Remember the saying, fools rush where the gods fear to tread? He chuckled. Do not apologise for her, Enger. She's willful and headstrong. And she will need to be that, and much more, to be able to face the devil himself. Enja nodded. It was going to be a long road ahead, and they had only just begun. The wine that tasted like honey allowed them once again to free their minds and to travel where they wanted to go, while leaving their physical bodies behind. Ada closed her eyes as she began the soft chanting. It helped relax them and connect the power of their thoughts a unification of psychic. She could feel herself leaving her body and the feeling of euphoria embraced her as she felt herself float over the stone hut and enter the dark night. The trio sought the whereabouts of the entity and it was not long before they came across a figure that rode alone on a road that led away from Eigenbrook's village. The seer cautioned them to be careful no doubt they were now aware of the mind travel. The creature was constantly stopping and sniffing the air. It was on the hunt for something or someone, and they knew exactly who it was after. The seer wanted to peer under the covers to gain an insight to find out what they had planned and where and how big their main force was. If they could find this out, they had half a chance of destroying them forever. Ada and Anja would serve as distractions as the seer would penetrate his thoughts, gathering as much information as possible before they would flee 
and the creature would never find out just what had crawled inside its mind. At first the creature was confused, unsure on what was manipulating his thoughts. As they began to scatter, it shook its head, suddenly feeling drowsy. It had been a long day. It would need to find somewhere to rest for the night, as it had not slept in nearly a week. Sleep beckoned and pulled at it, a gentle tug that made it yawn. It stretched in the saddle, looking for some sort of shelter. It couldn't believe how tired it had become. It wasn't feeling this sleepy earlier. A large forest flanked the road, and it decided it could tether the horse and sleep safely under one of the huge oak trees that strained and reached for the black sky above. The gentle tug was slowly becoming a firm pull as it shook its head, making its way to the forest. It quickly unsaddled the horse and tethered it to a tree close by and rolled out its fur. It laid its huge frame on the cold, hard ground. However, it barely noticed it as it fought to hold back the exhaustion that threatened to overwhelm it. It pulled the hoarded coat over its face and closed its eyes. It was not long before Dream stole its mind and took it to a faraway place. Ada and Anja guided it to dreams of a distant land while the seer hacked into part of the brain responsible for, for memory, the hippocampus, trying to catch a glimpse of the recollections it had stored there. The memories at first were of the lonely road it travelled and the food it had eaten. The sea appeared in deeper, pulling the covers to reveal the visit it had made to Merrick's home and the encounter it had had with Eleanor. The creature the sea learnt was part of an army, dedicated to first abolish humankind into slavery and then banish them from the earth forever. This was nothing new. However, the size of the army surprised the seer. He had not realised there were so many, and how strong they had grown. He looked in further, burrowing deeper, his own mind ingrained in the depths of another. The seer learnt the army had gained momentum, raping and pillages, pillaging villages at whim, taking only a handful of survivors to torture and use for entertainment. The seer found that there were a few that had their own psychic powers, and they were aware of them. He could not ascertain whether they had powers to reverse the mind tracking, as in they could travel and seek out the seer's mind. The seer came to learn that the memories of the one that led the assault were shrouded in a mixture of terror and awe and was almost like the devil himself. As the seer continued to search his own curiosity, getting the better of him, he came across a memory that seemed unclear, obscured somehow. He tried even harder to delve into it. The feeling of fear, one of which he'd only recently felt, suddenly crept over him. He tried to shake it. He didn't like the way it made him want to run and hide. This was so new and something that slowly was becoming out of his control. Before he could see more of the memories, he felt Ada's presence. She pulled at him, warning him they had to leave. The creature was pulling away from their grasps on his dreams of its faraway land, like a dog that had suddenly lost interest with its bone. We have to leave. It's starting to resist. I think it knows something is not right, Ada urged. The seer was irritated. He needed to find out more. 
Can't you hold him for a little longer? I need to see more. I'm so close. The seer asked impatiently. Ada turned from him, looking back towards her grandmother. She slowly nodded. Okay, okay, she repeated. But hurry, I don't know how long we can hold him. The seer quickly searched, looking for the memory that had evoked fear. However, he soon realised it was gone, hidden, and he could not spend any more time looking for it. Had to be more memories that could give a clue to their weakness. The fear he had felt earlier had seeped away, but he could feel it lapping against him, waiting for the moment it could flow back in. He scanned its recollections, searching, looking for a clue. It was like speed reading, a book on memoirs. There had to be something somewhere. He knew it was like finding a needle in a haystack. There may be nothing that could bring down a force of evil itself, and the seer once again could feel the fear starting to rise. He forced it down and began to realise this feeling of fear stemmed from the fact that there could very well be nothing that could weaken them or defeat them, and that was where his fear lay, from the very foundation of where it rose up and was created. As this realisation dawned on him, he knew that fear was not always alone, but helplessness was its constant companion. The thought of not being able to overcome the enemy and save mankind had been the seed that germinated the fear he now felt. He could not let this overwhelm him. He had to rely on hope and faith, and as these thoughts crisscrossed his mind, he sent a hastened prayer to the gods. Once again, Ada had returned. He felt her presence as she tapped at him, trying to draw his attention and bring him back so they could leave. He resisted stubbornly, continuing to search as Ada tapped harder. There was nothing. He looked and looked until, wait, had he seen something? There, it was again a hint of something. He was not sure what, but then... Ada, who had given up on the tapping, had begun to scream at him. It was time to leave. Fear saw its opportunity and eagerly reached for him threatening to take hold and drag him down, drowning him in its grasp. The seer tugged and pulled away from it, readily following Ada as she begged him to hurry, to flee and return to the safety of their own minds. Ada poured them tea as night nearly reached the end of its shift and dawn would be waiting to greet it with a rising sun and a sky of blue. Andrew gave the seer his tea and she noticed how he seemed to have instantly aged. Wrinkles seemed deeper his hair whiter, and he had a look. She frowned as she tried to work out what it was. She'd never seen it on him before. It slowly dawned on her that the feeling he now wore was fear, and that was what she had never seen him have, fear. The realisation of the seer being frightened shook her, and as she sat back on her cushion, she saw that he was watching her. He never missed a thing. She waited for him to speak, her own fear now beginning to rise. It must be bad. What exactly had he seen? The answer to your question, Anja, is I still do not know. He had read her mind in an instant, and he still never ceased to amaze her. We are, the seer chose his words slowly, we are facing the biggest threat to mankind that there has ever been, and we need more than help. We need a miracle to fight and to win this. 
closed his eyes taking a deep breath before continuing. I can only pray to the gods for their help because we are going to need it. Andrew and Ada looked at each other. They could tell the seer was distressed. Both of you, please leave me. I must meditate and pray. Your tasks are done for the moment. I want you to rest and come back to me this evening. With the rest of them, we'll have a lot to discuss. Leave me now, and please do not worry. I have the favour of the gods. They will guide me. He waited quietly as they stood, bowing their respect for such a great man, before leaving to seek much-needed sleep. So I hope you enjoyed listening to the chapter of my book. Thank you all for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate it. Let me know what you thought of today's podcast and how it can be improved. Please feel free to follow me on Instagram, Jules underscore rights. That's J-U-L-S underscore rights. And DM me or email me at thestorypodcast, that's all one word, at outlook.com. I'd love to hear from you especially if you have a great story to share. I hope you have a fantastic week and see you all next week for another chapter from Rise of Us Saw the Beginning. Don't forget to grab yourself a copy from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Bye for now and see you next time on The Story, the podcast where great stories are shared.